Hey, y'all. How's it going? Great to see you. So like Sarah mentioned, last week we kicked off this series called the Beatitudes, which is just Latin. Beatitudes is just Latin for blessed or blessed, depending on how you grew up. Some of these, some of these verses you're going to hear me say, like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven instead of just blessed. And that's just how, how you grow up sometimes and hear things and what version of the Bible and stuff that you're, you're familiar with. But that's, that's all good, however you say it. Um, it's, it's these statements of Jesus, these upside down statements about the kingdom of God are just life changing, life altering statements. So we're looking through each of those. They define a new perspective and result in a change of character for those who are disciples of Jesus. Just the way that we experience our world and interact with our own lives and the lives of others around us. And so like, like we talked about last week, our first beatitude was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know how, you, how many of you had a chance to spend some time and memorize that this past week, but that was your practice just then, all right? So it, you can internally say You don't have to say it audibly, but internally you can say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, just to kind of get you into just soaking in God's word and how that, how that impacts and, and changes our life. Um, so one of the things that we talked about last week was taking that and thinking about when people ask us how we're doing, how we respond to that. And so I don't know how many, this is rhetorical, don't, you don't have to respond, but how many, how many of you responded, I'm blessed? If you're here this last week, you, you know what I'm talking about. But when somebody asks you, hey, how, how are you doing? How many of you thought, I'm blessed? Now, I didn't actually say that when somebody, uh, when somebody asked me that this past week, but I definitely thought about it and used that to kind of affect the response that I gave. And so a couple of different things happen, I found, when I do that. Now, normally, I try to respond honestly. You know, when somebody asked me that and said, oh, everything's great, or just saying, oh, busy, you know, like everybody does, just the, that's our default, but actually answer them honestly most of the time I'm trying to be honest, right? But sometimes you just want to give a quick response or that kind of thing, but answered honestly, but also kept in perspective how much God has done for me and through me in my, in my life. And, and it's amazing how, how much of a shift that makes in our hearts and our minds when we actually think about, hey, how are we doing? Even sometimes in our lowest of lows, which we're about to talk about this morning, what God has done puts those things in perspective that changes how we, how we interact with what's going on um, in our lives. When we recognize where we come from spiritually and what we get to experience as a result of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we realize how well we're blessed, even if we don't have the world's ideas of what external you know, blessing looks like. And so Jesus follows up this poor in spirit blessing with another one that on its surface doesn't really sound like a happy or divinely favored state of being, but one that we will all have experienced by the end of our lives. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus follows up the blessed are the poor in spirit with blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And so blessed means happy, fortunate, divinely favored. So don't forget that when you're really, really sad, you're going to be happy about it. Right? That, surely that's what Jesus means when he says that. Okay, that's not what Jesus is saying here at all. We can ag- all agree that those who mourn need comforting, but the type of comforting that Jesus is talking about here transcends momentary alleviation of pain. For the disciple of Jesus, it's a renewed perspective and the strength of character that is unique for how we navigate life's most painful moments. And we will all experience them at some point. And as you read through and as you study scripture, there are going to be two primary areas in mourning that affect every single human being, and despite how things might feel, carries the comfort that only God can provide through, that brings blessing in our life. 
And so that first primary area of mourning that we all have experienced or are going to at some point in our life is loss. We got to experience a little taste of loss this past weekend. Uh, my son, Seth, was playing in a state baseball tournament, and it was double elimination, and he had a game Friday and Saturday, and they, his team is now bumped out of the tournament. I'm sorry, man. I feel bad. He's sitting there back there, and I know he played his heart out. He played great. You know, but it's one of those things, like, they, they lost. And so, and, and so as somebody who's coached before, I, you know, you've been in that, in that situation where you want to you wanna pump up the kids after the game, so you give them the after-game speech, and you're like, hey, you guys played great. You left it all on the field. And everybody's thinking, yeah, but I wanted to leave it all out on the field and win too, right? I mean, that's, that's the thing that would be really comforting right now. I don't really actually want to deal with the fact that, that we lost uh, we want to, you, you know, I'm bummed out when that happens to my kids, when they're on a team and they lose, and I know they put a lot of time and effort into it, um, any of them, you know, if that, that happens to them, I feel bad for them, um, and I try to do my best to encourage them in the effort they gave, because I want to learn, I want them to learn how to process that loss in a healthy way. Of course, in the grand scheme of things, we're talking about a loss in sports, I mean, that doesn't even hold a candle to some of the more uh, serious issues that we face. So over the years, um, I've walked with people through several different funerals. Uh, I had significant life changes of my own. I've had family members pass away. I've had relationships permanently change. And while that's not an exclusive list, each, in each of those areas in life, we process those emotions through grief and mourning. I still, to this day, I miss my grandparents that have passed away. I still think about it. I mean, that was, uh, I was in high school when the first one passed away. I was college when the second one passed away. Um, on my dad's side, and, and I still, to this day, I miss them and wish they were around for certain events or things that I wish I could share with them um, that I just won't be able to. And that sense of loss translated into whatever your own unique experience is uh, places us into a state of needed relief. Even the loss of a pet, loss of a job, and, you know, some other life change that we experience can put us into a period of mourning in which comfort can seem elusive. But in the case of the most extreme physical loss that we face, which is death, right? I mean, that's, the, that's the most significant loss that we face this side of heaven uh, in our lives is death. Our faith in the character and nature of God produces a renewed perspective on how those who love God and follow Jesus are able to respond to some of the darkest moments in our life. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And as someone who's grieved alongside and helped mourning families navigate loss, I can tell you that there is a marked difference between those who have a relationship with God and are disciples of Jesus and those who do not those who have hope in the resurrection and those who, who do not. There's a marked difference in how they approach mourning and grief and the comfort and the hope that they have and expect from God in those moments. I'm often struck by the thought of how much more difficult it is for people and family that do not have relationships with a church family in their life to help navigate those times 
um, how much more difficult it is for them in those times because we need to be encouraged and comforted with the truth of God's promise here. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. The, The promise of God here is that comfort is coming. It's not if, you know, maybe there's going to be a point in time in which you will feel some comfort. It is those who mourn will be comforted. Even our deepest sense of loss in our lives, whether we've experienced it already or are going to experience it sometime in our future, the deepest sense of loss in our lives will not prevail because in time we'll be renewed and resurrected to a point that is far more powerful than our grief. And our character in this regard is directed by the perspective we develop in understanding how deeply the divine favor of God's comfort really goes in our life. Because as significant as loss that we've experienced in our life might be, as significant as the, the death that we've experienced and had to walk with, with our family or friends, whatever that looks like in our life, that's still not, that's still not the, the most significant thing that we mourn this side of heaven, even if we don't recognize it. Because the second primary of mourning that we find in Scripture has to do with sin. Sin is something worse than than loss and death that we experience in our life. In fact, sin causes those things to be in existence. It's why the world is broken and we experience these moments of loss that we have to mourn that we were never meant to experience in life. Sin means missing the mark, the righteousness of relationship with God being the target, if you will, there. And we've we've all been guilty of it. As much as we might mourn physical loss, we mourn spiritual loss even more deeply, whether we recognize it or not, because the damage to our lives due to sin is so deep, and it makes the loss that much more significant because it cuts us off at the source of our comfort. In fact, if you're reading your Bible, you'll come across times when individuals and even the whole nation of Israel is called into times of mourning over sin. You'll read about people who tear their clothes, who put on sackcloth and ashes, people who fast as a result of sin, and these were all used as reminders of the weightiness of sin and its consequences, specifically that it harms our relationship with God. And when our sin is in focus and we recognize how it's impacted and changed and harmed harm our lives, it, it causes us to mourn. Um, I don't think I've shared this with very, very many people uh, because I don't like sharing this kind of stuff at all. Um, but about nine months ago, uh, before, on a Sunday morning when I come in, I'm, I'm usually, um, I might start some coffee, but I'm normally coming in to just read through, just read through my sermon. Um, if there are any last minute, you know, notes I need to make or something, something like that, I'll, I'll, I'll write that. But um, I, I think it was nine months ago on a Sunday morning I was doing that and I was reading through the message and just, just the, the topic was part of it, but just kind of thinking about where our world was in nine months, nine months ago and how little has changed kind of since, since then, just the vision, tribalism, um, the, the way that even Christians were interacting with each other and, and treating each other. Um, I kind of broke down a little bit, and I'm not sure if it was a stress or anxiety attack. Um, all I know is I couldn't stop crying, and that's not, that's not normal for me. You might not know that. Um, my wife can confirm that for you. But it's not normal for me to just be uncontrollably crying. And so that, was, that happened for, I'm going to say, about 30 minutes. Um, and I, to be honest, to the point where I talked to a couple people and I said, hey, I, I just don't know what's going to happen this morning. I don't know if I'm going to like, be on stage and, and just kind of completely fall apart or, or what's, what's about to happen. Um, and, and I think the reason that I came to that moment is, is because sometimes in our lives when we have their perspective of like the damage 
that our sin causes and the significance of that, how it hurts our relationship with each other, um, with, with God, um, that, that it is, man, it is a serious, serious weight. And one of the things that I'm most grateful for is that even, even though having that perspective and having that moment that happened is, is that because of God, that that isn't a perpetual experience in my life. Because every once in a while, it's, it's going to hit us when we have that perspective, and it's going to hit us hard. But, but blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When was the last time you mourned your sin? And there are a couple of ways that we do this. I mean, one is, is kind of the post-sin shame and guilt process that we go through. It's like, oh, man, I did that thing again, and, and I feel the shame from that. And it's like, oh, it stinks because I know it hurts my relationship with this person, and, and I lost control again, and, and, and that kind of thing. So that's one way that we mourn our sin. But, there, you know, and I'm sorry, God, you know, I'll, I'll try not to do it again, that, that kind of mourning. But there's also the, the grieving that the Jesus' sacrifice at the cross was necessary in the first place. Like, man, that, that we are all a part of this process in which God, God needed to save us from ourselves because of the mismanagement of life that we're all so prone to. In Psalm chapter 119, uh, verses 136 through 140, the, the psalmist writes this, Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. You are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. My zeal wears me out, for my enemies ignore your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. And so when Jesus says this, he's not saying, oh, if I'm sad about my sin all the time, I'll be happy and blessed. And so, you know, going around and being like, oh, you know, sin exists in the world, and I've sinned in my life, you know, that, that's not the point here. But our life won't change for the better if we don't recognize the change that we're exchanging happiness for, the way that God desires for us to experience it, when we, we exchange that for instant gratification for the things that are in our lives that are, that are harming our relationship uh, with God, they, they mess up our future. And so at some point, that mourning needs to shift from the post-sin shame of guilt to the pre-sin pursuit of God's righteousness through Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It changes our perspective and how we live our lives. When Jesus gives this blessing statement, this crowd that has gathered to hear him teach would have been breathing in the fresh air of hope as he gave this, these statements, as many of them would have been accustomed to a very different perspective and a different characterization uh, of, of who God is that many of the religious leaders of the day would have been teaching. Any sense of loss or lack in a person's life was generally attributed to the lack of divine favor in their life. So this teaching of Jesus, divinely favored are those who mourn, would have been very upside down. In fact, I would say that it still is a very upside down teaching because we don't think about life in these terms. Maybe you've heard or been taught some similar ideas like this crowd would have been taught by others other than Jesus. Like those who mourn just need to have faith. You've ever heard that? Or those who mourn just need to learn that it was God's plan for this to happen. You've probably heard that one. Or those who mourn just got what they deserved. Maybe you've heard that one too. Or any number of other half-truths that are perhaps theology adjacent at best, but a complete mischaracterization of God at worst. Much of the people that Jesus ministered to were less well-off, had limited to no social standing, they were marginalized, some were even oppressed beyond just the general oppression of the Romans um, at that time. And while those who were used as reasons to exclude people, 
by the religious leaders of the day, Jesus included them in the kingdom because that loss that was attributed to their lack of standing was, with God, it, it, was, it was true in a sense, but not in the way that most expected. Because those who mourn loss due to sin in their life know the value of comfort and hope, of hope and faith. And Jesus was there and is there to fulfill that comfort. Those who don't mourn sin in their lives will be lacking in the repentance that leads to the character, that leads to the perspective that God calls us to have for all those who have fallen, for all who have fallen short. And so there are going to be times that we have to deal with mourning, and God promises and provides comfort through the hope that we have in the fulfilled promise of the resurrection. There are also times when we need to pursue mourning, where God provides comfort through the spiritual discipline of becoming more like Christ. Blessed are those who mourn because while they recognize the need for it, they will experience the solution for it. And the temptation that we face is looking for comfort in other places. People look for comfort in wealth. They look for it in power, social status, revenge, government, freedom, material possessions, substances, food and drink, entertainment, endorphins, experiences, relationships, all kinds of different areas in our life. But there's only one comfort that lasts and satisfies our souls and it must be held at the forefront of our minds and at the forefront of our character. That despite the fact that we don't deserve it and our sin put him in this position, Jesus died on the cross to defeat the consequences of sin and death to ensure that we will be comforted. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, starting verse 13, Peter writes this, With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. And so blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And whether you find yourself mourning because of physical loss or mourning because of spiritual loss in your life, the comfort that God provides through Jesus is that comfort comes because all that is wrong in this world, all will be made right. That's ultimately what God, God does through Jesus and is doing through the kingdom and is at work doing through each of our lives. And as disciples of Jesus, those who believe, repent, confess, are baptized, who are following the way of Jesus in our, in our lives, we've been called by God to not only benefit from that comfort, but take part in that as well. And so we get to be a part of the comfort, that not, not only that we experience from God and others, but in sharing that comfort with other people as well. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Paul writes, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. So this week, maybe you need to mourn some sin, maybe you need to mourn loss with the comfort that God provides. Maybe you just need to be reminded that God hasn't left. It's not a part of what, what he does, that, that he is there and that comfort is coming. We'll, we'll be comforted. And remember, even in those times that as we mourn, we're blessed because God has comforted us through Jesus and he sustains that through the ongoing work of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because he is always there. And so blessed are those who mourn 
for they, for they will be comforted because Jesus ensures that comfort through the hope that we have in the resurrection, the faith that we have that as we gather together, as we worship God with our lives in spirit and in truth, that as we, as we walk through some of life's darkest moments t- together, that, that that comfort that comes only from him will always transcend any form of loss that we may that may come our way. Let's pray together. God, how we feel in the moment um, sometimes is overwhelming to the point of um, failing to experience the the hope that you bring, the comfort that you bring. And so, God, we ask that you help us to to not see uh, the momentary perspective that we have, but that we see the eternal perspective that you give us. And God, that as we go through periods of mourning, we absolutely, as we walk through those things, we don't ignore them, we grieve, and we go through that process, that you help us do that in a healthy way, that you surround us with godly men and women who help us to do that in, in a healthy way, that don't write it off, that don't dismiss it, but walk through, walk through it with, with us, that we help others as they go through it, that we sit with them, that we listen, that we provide comfort, and that, yes, there are going to be things that we experience in this world that we were never meant to experience, that life shouldn't be this way. And yet you correct all those things through Jesus. And so we ask that you remind us of that through your Holy Spirit. We ask that you comfort and help us through that, through your Holy Spirit. God, help us to keep this perspective in, in our minds, that even as we deal with, with loss and pain in our lives, that, that you will always be there. And you always are there through that to comfort us with the knowledge of of your love. God, we praise you for that. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.